Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for your prayers, your good wishes, and all the kindness that you have shown to Judith and me. We appreciate it, and we thank God for putting it in your hearts to pray for us. This morning, we are going to look again at the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1. First letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1. I'll read the opening verses again to bring some continuity to last time's message. First Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Shaul, called to be an apostle of Yeshua, Mashiach, through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the Kehillah of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Messiah, Yeshua, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Yeshua, Mashiach, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Yeshua, Mashiach. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Messiah Yeshua, that you are enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Messiah was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Yeshua, Mashiach, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord, Yeshua, Mashiach. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Yeshua, Hamashiach, our Lord. And may God bless that reading of his holy word. Shaul was writing to the Kehila in Corinth, which was in southern Greece, and he had cause to thank God for them. He says in verse 3, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Yeshua Mashiach. And then his thanksgiving for them. When he came to Corinth the first time, it was after a disheartening time in Athens. He hadn't got much joy out of waiting for his fellow workers, Timothy and Silas. For a while, Shaul was all alone in Athens waiting for Silas and Timothy to, to rejoin him. 
and he used his time well. He went into the synagogue at Athens and reasoned with the people and then he took advantage of a custom of the custom of open air proclamation and so he would meet in the marketplace which was a recognized place for opinions to be voiced and it looks as though from the account in the book of Acts that he didn't get much fruit out of his labors. So he moved on from Athens to Corinth and in Corinth he visited visited the synagogue as was his custom when he came to any new new city he would make a beeline for the synagogue first of all in keeping with what he said to the Roman citizens the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He was having an uphill battle. Loneliness can affect the, the best of people. It's a, it's a painful experience to be lonely. And so, when Silas and Timothy came, it was like a breath of fresh air, and with renewed boldness and courage and morale, he spoke more, more boldly and more emphatically from the scriptures, which would be the Hebrew Bible, and he pressed upon the people in the synagogue the, the gospel, the good news that God had sent his son to be the savior of the world and that that savior was Yeshua of Nazareth. But his Jewish hearers contradicted and tried to argue against the gospel and so Shaul left the synagogue and went into the home of one of the people who had become a believer and in that house fellowship he proclaimed the gospel and Jews and Gentiles heard about Jesus of Nazareth and his sacrifice for the sins of the world. He was encouraged by the Lord who appeared to him in a vision and said to him, Be of good courage. Speak and do not hold your peace. I have much people in this city. 
what the Lord meant was there were lots sheep that needed to be found in Corinth and there were many lost sheep so Shaul spoke forth with boldness and the result was numbers of Greeks and Jews became believers but not all is plain sailing for Paul he had to go on with his outreach and because he could not be there he wrote them a letter which is the letter we're looking at today he says in verse 4 of chapter 1 of his letter I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Messiah Yeshua that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge and the major cause of thanksgiving was the fact that God would confirm them to the end that's in verse 8 that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Yeshua Mashiach for these and other reasons he thanked God for them in his prayers I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Messiah Yeshua that was on the positive side but on the negative side there were problems where there are people there are problems the only place which is peaceful and orderly is the cemetery and these Corinthian believers were very much alive but they had been heathens before Shaul had brought the gospel to them and there were lots of things that they imported into their new life of faith with Messiah and Shaul heard some disturbing news which is what we're going to look at now there was sectarianism verse 10 now I plead with you brethren by the name of our Lord Yeshua Mashiach that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment it was in verse 10 it was a loving admonition he could have he could have scolded them he could have wrapped their knuckles as the saying goes but he chose the way of love I beseech you a loving admonition rather than a sharp reproof he besought them to be of one accord to be agreed 
there was there were disagreements in the new congregation and he begs them that they should be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment this is a common flaw in the gatherings of god's people disagreements and what he's pleading with them is that they should be of one accord as he said in his letter to the philippians philippians chapter 2 verses 1 to 3 therefore if there's any consolation in messiah if any comfort of love if any fellowship of the spirit if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded having the same love being of one accord of one mind let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself in those words he pleaded with the believers in philippi the congregation at in philippi was thriving spiritually but they also had this tendency to disagree with one another and shaul begs them to be agreed he puts it like this but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment that's very appropriate for us in the kela because the enemy of our souls is always busy taking advantage of misunderstandings and of disagreements he says that you be perfectly joined together the, the word means put the dislocated limb back into place in galatians chapter 6 verse 1 verse 1 and 2 brethren if a man is overtaken in any trespass you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness considering yourself lest you also be tempted bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of messiah put that dislocated limb back into place to prevent further pain make sure that you believe the same things and the reason why he pleads with them is because he had received some disturbing news he mentions this in verse 11 
for it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. The, the members of a Christian lady named Chloe had experienced this atmosphere of rivalry and he sums it up by saying there are wranglings and petty party strifes and this letter to the Corinthians was left for our for our caution not to be tripped up by the devil. There are certain contentions among you. This is what it was the argument was about. Verse twelve Now I say this that each of you says I am of Paul or I am of Apollos or I am of Cephas or I am of Christ. Little parties they took partial they were partial to the the men that ministered to them and they took sides and Shaul mentions how they took sides against one another. Those who said, I am of Paul, were those who favored Shaul because he was the apostle to the Gentiles. And so the Gentile believers in the Kela at Corinth would take sides with Shaul. He is the one we favor because he was divinely appointed to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Others sided with Apollos. They favored Apollos. The Bible tells us that he was a, an eloquent orator. He was mighty in the scriptures. And there were those in the Keilah at Corinth who loved a good speaker and who loved flowing language. I could give you an example of that. His little Johnny eating his dinner, gobbling down his food, and someone comments, Johnny's got a huge appetite. His eyes are bigger than his stomach. The orator would say, his optical propensities exceed his gastronomical disabilities. <laughs> that would be the orator. Then there were those that sided with 
that took sides with Peter, Cephas. I am of Cephas because Cephas had an apostleship mainly to the Jews and so the believing Jews would say I favor Cephas and the most haughty of them all said I am of Messiah now Shaul thanked God that they came short in no gift but this situation shows that gifts do not just because a person has gifts doesn't mean that they are growing in grace so that they were proud of their gifts they were grateful for them but they needed to grow in grace Shaul challenges them in verse 13 he shows the fallacy of treating the body of Messiah in that way in fragmenting the fellowship is Messiah divided was Paul crucified for you or were you baptized in the name of Paul the fallacy of treating the body of Messiah in this matter it was a common fault as we read in Ephesians 4 Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 to 6 I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness with long suffering bearing with one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling one Lord one faith one baptism one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all only Messiah is Lord and Savior and only Yeshua is our Master and therefore we should be united in our relationship to him and as Shaul says who is Paul who is Apostle who is Apollos but ministers by whom you believed we are just the messengers but we are messengers of our heavenly master only Messiah is Lord and Savior so he says in verse 14 I thank God that I baptized none of you 
except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanas. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. He wasn't thanking God that he didn't follow the Lord's command to make disciples of all nations, did baptizing them in the name of the triune God. He's not thanking God that he hasn't done much in that in that line, but he's thanking God that he didn't baptize more people because then you might have another another group of people. Paul left the baptizing to others and the reason for his thanksgiving as he says in Second Corinthians chapter 4 Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 5 For we do not preach ourselves but Messiah Yeshua the Lord and ourselves your servants for Yeshua's sake. In verses 17 to 31 he speaks about the gospel. Verse 17 For Messiah did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel not with wisdom of words lest the cross of Messiah should be made of no effect. He had his priorities and his top priority was to preach the gospel not with clever words or human oratory and argument because fine speech and long long words rob the gospel of its true power. In chapter 2 verses 4 and 5 And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God not with complicated language he says in verse 18 for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God we preach verse 18 for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing and he will go on to quote verse 19 
For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. That's a quotation from Isaiah the prophet, chapter 29. Isaiah 29, verse 14. Therefore hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men who rule this people who are in Jerusalem, because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with Sheol we are in agreement. When the overflowing scourge passes through, it will not come to us, for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood we have hidden ourselves. Those who are wise in their own eyes. Isaiah 29, verse 14. Therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among this people, a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. None of them would be saved because God chose another way of bringing the message of salvation. In verse 20, where is the wise, where is the scribe, where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. There was a challenge to the Jewish legalist. The Lord Yeshua in Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, and verse 25. At that time Yeshua answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. When the world, verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe people weren't saved because they were wise or rich he's challenging he's challenging this world's mentality in verse 20 he challenges those who sought salvation by their own wisdom he challenges the Jewish legalist he challenges the clever rhetorician and he asks the question where is the wise where is the scribe
where is the disputer of this age? Very few of them got saved because God has made foolish the wisdom of this world. God, by the cross, has exposed the foolishness of the world mentality. The world, by wisdom, did not reach the knowledge of God because the world chose its own wisdom. We've been looking at the letter to the Romans and in Romans chapter 1 verse 20 of Romans 1 For since the creation of the world his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse because although they knew God they did not glorify him as God nor were thankful but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened professing to be wise they became fools and so in verse 21 of First Corinthians for since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe for Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom but we preach Messiah crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness we preach Messiah crucified the Jewish people in the days of Messiah saw many signs the nation of Israel at the foot of Mount Sinai had more than enough signs there was the rock pouring forth life-giving water day by day there was the manna that fell every night there was the fire burning on the mountain for all that they didn't come to faith in God they were not saved the Greeks seek after wisdom in Athens which is the which was the center of all kinds of teachings there were enough philosophers and worldly wise but very few of them became believers signs don't save clever speech doesn't save it's the simple proclamation that God sent his son to be the savior of the world and that that salvation was achieved through Messiah's death on the cross 
where he became a substitute for us, where he rendered full satisfaction to the law of God who bought our salvation. The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Verse 23 to 25 But we preach Messiah crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks Messiah the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Shaul, in writing to Timothy, said, Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Timothy, 2 Timothy, verse 7 onwards. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. May our watchword be only Yeshua matters. Only Yeshua matters. Not Paul, not Kephas, not Apollos, not man, but Messiah and him crucified. Shall we close with the word of prayer? Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for our Lord Yeshua, our Messiah. Grant us the boldness and the utterance that we need in order to proclaim your salvation to everyone that seeks a reason for our hope. We pray that you would bless this word and we give you thanks in our Lord Yeshua's name. Amen.